This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I am your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri, and we've got a pretty cool episode today. We're going to go back and forth to Italy a little bit here. Dolores, how you doing? Hey, Anthony. I'm doing very well. I'm excited. We have a lot of new stuff going on that we want to share with everybody. So to begin, we want to let everybody know that we have expanded things and we're just really doing a lot of new things. So we've changed the name that we're working under. So we're not just the Italian American podcast anymore. We are now the Italian American experience under which we have a podcast as well as other things that we've been doing like videos, the blog, et cetera, and also things that we are going to begin doing. We really want to get as close as possible to both recreating and reinventing the community that so many of us just regret that we've either lost or that is eroding. Right, Anthony? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been doing this for a while now, the podcast. But when Dolores and I started it a while ago, I think a year and a half or whatever it is, we actually did name our company the Italian American Experience, even though we started really known as the Italian American Podcast. And the reason we did that was because we love doing the podcast. We've had so much fun with it. But we also know that Italian American Experience is, is a 3D experience. It's not just an audio. It's not just reading articles. It's food. It's tasting. It's travel. And there's so many layers to it that we knew at some time we would maybe start doing more videos. And with this new venture that we're going to do, this new neighborhood, which is going to essentially be like a tight-knit community from our listeners, we're going to have like a private forum and we're going to do occasionally in-person events. Like we might go to Arthur Avenue together, walk around, catch up. We might be able to get a special access to some things. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to build the community together with you. But this is something that I think from day one, Dolores and I knew that this was going to be more than just an audio thing because right. being Italian-American is more than just an audio experience. So we're, we're super excited about it. The best thing to do is to go to the website, ItalianAmericanExperience.com and just click on the join button and you can sign up for the newsletter and you will stay up to date on everything. New podcast episodes, when we launch the new neighborhood, which most likely will be in March, everything else that we're doing, we're going to completely keep you up to date. As Anthony just mentioned, this new initiative, officially titled The New Neighborhood, A Place for Italian Americans, is going to be another arm of the experience. And we really want to create a community that is not just online, but that begins online and then flows over into your lives. This is a place where we want you to meet friends for yourself and mentors for your children, and a place where you can talk about traditions and also find a community where you can keep them going in real life. So it's not just going to be us talking about all of these things. It's going to be us finding a way to really implement them in our lives. So look forward to all that stuff. Like I said, get on our newsletter. We'd love for you to be a part of this whole effort as we move forward. That being said, let me give you a quick preview of the episode today. First, you're going to hear an interview that I did with Laura Lee of Digging Up Roots in the Boot, where I was in Sicily. We actually got together. She's Italian-American, and she now lives in Italy, and she helps people to get their citizenship. It's a really interesting topic, and we're going to dive into that with her. And then also, in the story segment at the end of the show, 
I had the opportunity to talk with Rita Richardson, one of our listeners. She's an Italian-American in Nashville. There's not as many Italian-Americans in the South as there are like in the Northeast and in California. So that was interesting in itself. But actually, she is doing something really amazing in that she's trying to revive and bring back to life a small gem of a church in Italy. And you're going to hear that story. So before we introduce our guest, Laura Lee, I'd like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At IF, we know there's nothing more important than family, and we invite you to be a part of ours. We work hard to protect our great heritage, to promote the Italian language, to build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and to serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, we provide young Italian Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming future leaders for our community. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family. This is Gabrielle Maletti, Director of Programs at the National Italian American Foundation, and here is your NIAF in the News. Attention all Italian-American college students. The application for NEF scholarships is now open, but hurry, the deadline is March 1st. And speaking of educational programs, NEF has teamed up with the Italian Sons and Daughters of Italy, ISDA, and Hollywood directors, the Russo Brothers, to bring aspiring filmmakers an opportunity of a lifetime with the Russo Brothers Italian-American Film Forum. Deadline to apply is also March 1st. And lastly, join NIAF in the Big Apple on March 22nd for a memorable evening at the legendary Cipriani 42nd Street for the NIAF New York Gala. NIAF will honor distinguished Italian-Americans in the New York City area. For more information on all NIAF in the news, visit www.niaf.org. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for the main segment of the episode, Laura Lee. Laura is a proud third-generation Italian-American who ventured abroad to Italy in 2005 with the intention of digging a little deeper into her Italian roots. She visited her ancestral villages in Sicily, met and developed ongoing relationships with distant cousins, and had her Italian citizenship recognized. It was after this amazing experience that she dedicated herself to promoting the richness of Italian cultural heritage through her company, Digging Up Roots in the Boot. Digging Up Roots in the Boot is a homecoming experience, breaking down brick walls and bridging the gap between generations, specializing in heritage tourism, Italian dual citizenship, and genealogical research throughout Italy for Americans, Canadians, and Australians of Italian descent. It was pretty awesome. As I said, you're going to hear this interview. We're at a little cafe in Sicily, which was amazing. So before we jump in here, I'm going to kick it back to Dolores to bring us in with a quote. This quote is from Anna Akhmatova. And we picked this quote because this whole episode is really about returning to Italy, right? And returning to our roots in a very visceral sense. Italy is a dream that keeps returning for the rest of your life. So before we jump into the interview here with Laura, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Nona Box. 
Like so many Italians and Italian-Americans, I longed for a taste of home after moving to the U.S. four years ago, says Guido Pedrelli, founder of Nona Box. Every month, Nona Box features a different Italian region by selecting six of its gourmet artisanal imported products. In showcasing the region, Nona Box also shares the story of a regionally local Italian Nona, along with three of her favorite traditional recipes. Some of these recipes use products from the box. Each box also comes with cards that include the gastronomic history of the region, as well as explanations about the box's products, serving suggestions, and even regional wine pairings from an Italian sommelier. Visit nonabox.com and use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout for $10 off your order. And I've got to say that I got my Sicily box and it's been great. I'm really loving all the different aspects of it. The pistachio cream, the little cookies with a hint of orange are just amazing. So Guido's a great guy. He's been great to Dolores and I in supporting us, and uh, we hope you'll support him. All right, let's jump into the interview with Laura Lee. All right, this is Anthony Fasano, and this segment of the Italian American Podcast is being brought to you from Sicily, actually Tricastani, Sicily, which I would say is in the northeast portion of Sicily. I am here with Laura Lee Watson of Digging Up Roots in the Boot, which is her website is diggingupbootsintheboot.com, and we're going to talk a little bit about digging up your roots, and we're also going to get a little bit into dual citizenship. Laura, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Well, thanks, Anthony. It's great to be here. So let's get started by how you got started and, you know, looking up and helping people dig up their Italian ancestry and their roots. Tell us about it. Well, this all started for me back in 2005 when I came to Italy in search of my own roots. And um, I stumbled every which way but sideways, doing everything wrong. Um, I came here not speaking Italian. Um, I didn't know exactly where my relatives were from, and um, it took me a long time to gather the information. I didn't have internet access, so trying to find the information online was completely out of the question. And by making all the mistakes that I made through my process of gathering the papers for dual citizenship, finding my living relatives, that made me decide that I want to start helping other people do this, because it is a tedious process. Well, it is a tedious process for sure, and I've been here now in Italy for about a month or so, and one of the main reasons I came here is to dig up some of my roots, and I've had some success with that. Laura and I have been talking about that here before we started recording here at the cafe, and it is tedious, but if you do your preparation and you get some information, you can have a very successful time in Italy getting the information. And for me, the biggest plus was having the birth year of my ancestors that were born in Italy and the death year of any of them that died in Italy. If you start to go further back before they immigrated, you'll, you, the death certificate can give you a lot of information. And of course, you need the town where they're located. And with that information, I've collected a number of official birth and death certificates here already since I've been in Italy that I can now go back and use to go maybe even further back, which has been very helpful. The other thing that's been very helpful is I spent the last 10 months or so learning Italian the language, which has also been helpful navigating some of the visits to the municipalities here in the record rooms. They do have very strong dialects in the southern parts of Italy, but nonetheless, the basic Italian works and will get you by, for the most part, on what you need to get by. So it's been a pretty amazing experience, and I think once you're actually in the commune or the town where your family came from, it's a pretty amazing experience. And it's a couple of cases for me, I got to see the houses where they were born, 
you know, the streets they were on, which was on the birth certificate. And it's been amazing. My, my grandfather, Antonio Fasano, I discovered that he had a middle name, Giorgio, which I don't think anyone in my family knew about. It. And what I was told at the commune was that it's very rare for Italians to have a middle name. And it's interesting because we have 30, 40 cousins in my family and no one has that name at all. So I'm pretty confident that they didn't know about that name, Giorgio, and maybe now that can be passed down. So it's very exciting. And while I gathered a lot of information, I know that there's still a lot of work to do as I move forward. But something that I think everybody should do and, and Laura we talked about this a little bit coming to Italy you can have a lot more success in a shorter period of time as opposed to trying to do everything from the US oh that is very true Anthony you mentioned earlier to me that you spent a good few years gathering all of the documents and doing research in the US before coming here and that changes your experience completely than if you just come here and look for something once you arrive. Absolutely, and, and it's the biggest thing I can tell everybody who's listening out there, and we've already gotten emails back from listeners who have done this because Dolores and I have mentioned it. Just go to your grandparents' house, your parents' house, sit down with a notebook or your computer and just tell them to just tell the story of their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their parents, as much detailed information they can give you. Thankfully, I've been doing this for a few years with my grandparents, and my grandma recollected years and names and brothers' names and town names, which made it a lot easier for me, as Laura suggested, because I had all that data. So that's really the first step. I mean, you can use all the online websites and stuff you want, but getting that data right from the source is going to be a huge help for you, and then you can kind of dig back from there. And really visiting the communes in these towns and municipalities if you go there yourself with your information, there's a good chance that you'll be able to find something if you have the data that I suggested. Yeah, that's a really good point that you talk about home sourcing first by speaking with your relatives and looking through the uh, U.S. documents first. I have a free guide that is available on my website that people can download if they want to understand in more detail. And actually, there is a link to a group of initial questions to help kickstart your interview with your ancestors. Well, that would be great. I know that would be great because that, that's one of the things I struggled with a bit was just trying to figure out the right questions to ask. Um, and we're going to link to Laura's resources in our show notes. So this information is available to you because any information like that can save you like so much time, months, years, you know, whatever the case may be. It's information that you don't have to find or it helps you extract the right data. So that's going to be really helpful. Now, one of the things we've been asked about quite a bit lately is the idea of dual citizenship. Obviously, all Italian-Americans are of Italian descent. At some point in time, your ancestors immigrated to America, and that means that there may be an opportunity for you to obtain a citizenship in Italy, a dual citizenship, for whatever reason. Maybe you want to stay there for an extended period of time with family. Maybe you, when you want to retire there, maybe you want to move there, spend winters or summers there. So this is something that Laura has now had a lot of experience with, she did it herself, and she helps other people do it. So I kind of want to pick her brain a little bit on that process. And why don't we just start with the basics, Laura, as far as if someone's thinking of getting Italian citizenship, give us some of the steps that they should take. Okay, the first thing that I recommend that you do is to take a look at a blog post that I put out. It's called The Five Key Criteria to Italian Dual Citizenship. And this outlines the five things that you must meet in order to be able to apply for citizenship. The first being is that your ancestor must have been born after 1861, because before this period of time, Italy was not a nation, so your ancestors were not considered Italians. So once you meet that criteria, the next thing you need to look at is the 1912 rule. 
if your ancestor naturalized before 1912, you're, you do not qualify for Italian dual citizenship. Hmm. That's going to be a big one for people because I know for me, a lot of my ancestors came here right around like the 1910 time period. Mm -hmm. So that could be one that you got to pay a lot of attention to. Yes. And then the other one that you need to pay attention to is the 1948 rule, which states that a woman born before 1948 cannot pass Italian citizenship down to her children. Oh, wow. Now, this is an area that has been challenged in the Italian court. So if you find yourself falling into that category, you can hire an international attorney that deals with these things. And there have been some success stories of the challenging the Italian courts with that rule. Hmm, that's interesting. You mentioned something that I want to bring up, which is costs. Costs. Talk to us about the cost of this process. And I know it could vary if you need a lawyer or not, but just give us some ballpark ideas. Cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, the consulate charges you 300 euros just to make your appointment. Wow. In order to make the call, to call the consulate, you have to call a pay number. So to start out with, just to make the appointment and the call, you're probably talking about $350. Wow. American. And that just gets you an appointment. That with them. just gets you an appointment. Then you have to gather all of your documents. So, say you gather your death certificate for your grandparents in the United States, and the spelling on the name is Anthony Fasano. Yeah. And then you look at the birth certificate in the in Italy, and it says Antonio Giorgio Fasano. Right. Now you have to make a correction on your document in the United States. So you have to legally make the correct change so you, for the document? So you have to make the correction oh, wow. for the document, which is another cost. And that probably happens like 9 out of 10 times. From my experience in looking at these things, yeah. from when people came over, they yeah. just called them whatever they heard their name was. Yeah, the other discrepancy that is often found is in the dates of birth. Dates of death and dates of marriage. Huh. This is a, a great point because when I went to Controne, which is a town here in, in Campania, to find out about Antonio Giorgio Fasano, my great-grandfather, I had his birth date as being 1892, but I also luckily had a, some information written on a piece of paper that said he arrived in the U.S. in 1912 at the age of 23. So they couldn't find him in 1889, and they were looking for like five, ten minutes, and then one of my relatives there realized that he did 1912 minus 23, which was 1889, and they looked up in the 1889 book and they found him. Yeah. So there's often discrepancies with the birth years. Very much so there's discrepancies. Also, even with the days, if not the years, because there's a date that the person is born, and then there's the date that it's registered in the Comune in Italy. So those dates can be mistranscribed. Okay. So that's definitely a pitfall to be careful. And uh, just so you know, as I mentioned, we're in Sicily, so you're hearing real live Sicilian traffic in the background, <laughs> which is a little ambience here for the podcast. All right, so $350 gets you basically your appointment, and then any additional costs you might incur with fixing documents. If there's something, like you said, the 1948 rule, and you have to get a lawyer involved. Right. Those are additional costs additional as well. Additional costs. Another additional cost would be if you register to a site like Ancestry.com right. for additional information right. if you get DNA testing done that's another additional cost because 
what DNA testing can do for you is if put into the database can link you to other people in your family that may have that information online. Already. Is this through Ancestry.com, the DNA testing, or it's in multiple there's, places? There's three companies that I know of that do it. There's um, uh, Family Tree DNA, Me and 23, and Ancestry.com. Okay. And all those links can be found on my website in my resources page also. It's interesting. I've been using Ancestry. It's been, I found some really cool documents. I was telling Laura the draft cards for my two great-grandfathers that they filled out in their own handwriting with their occupation and their addresses and stuff. I haven't gone the DNA route yet, but it sounds like it might be something worth yeah, looking at. Yeah. A lot of people are choosing to do it now because it helps you connect with not only your living relatives that are in Italy, but living relatives that you don't even know about that may live in Canada or the U.S. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So aside from those costs, and you were really lucky, Anthony. You came here with your family. You have relatives. They helped you get the documents right. that you needed. But if you're in the States and you don't have the luxury of taking a trip here to Italy, then it makes sense to hire somebody to research and get these documents for you on the ground in Italy. Yeah, absolutely. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, can you get birth certificates through the ancestry and stuff? I don't think so, You right? cannot get the certified documents okay. that you need. You can get photocopies of the original registers, but not the certified not documents. Not the certified copies, yeah. So that's important, and that is that could obviously be a cost if you're thinking of coming here and trying to get the documentation on your own. You could hire someone, obviously. Yeah, hiring obviously is a little less expensive than making the trip here. Right. But making the trip here is a lot more fun. Right, but if you can afford the time to come and make the trip here, it could be worth it for you. I mean, listen, we did it. It wasn't easy. We had some good, I had saved up a lot of miles to fly my family of five here. It didn't cost us anything for the flights. A lot of places in southern Italy you can live relatively inexpensively. My wife and I actually rented out our house on Airbnb at home in New Jersey, and which paid for actually a good portion of the trip considering we didn't have any flights. So we were able to make it work with a family of five relatively inexpensively because of some of those, you know, being smart on how we use some of the money and the miles and stuff. But if you want to do it, it's definitely an amazing experience. But, you know, that gives us a pretty good idea. So, so now let's say you pay the 350 you get to the appointment. They're going to then look at all the rules around dual citizenship and evaluate you in that appointment. Is that right? Yes. And if there are any discrepancies in your document, they send you away, tell you to correct them, and then you have to reapply for another appointment. Okay. And that could take, you were saying before, a year, two years, three years yeah, before you get an appointment. Depending on what Italian consulate area you live in, it could take a year and a half on average, but up to three years. A couple of years ago, the consulate in Houston actually froze for a period of time the acceptance of applications because they were so overwhelmed. See, there's a lot of variables involved that you have to consider before doing it or just know going into it. I mean, this doesn't mean you need to stop, but just be aware of how long it might take, how much it might cost. If you deal with one of these 1948, 1912 rules, you might have right. to get a lawyer involved, you might have to go to Italy to get documents. It's not a very straightforward process. Well, you don't necessarily have to go to Italy no, with no, your documents because you have me here. Right, right. <laughs> you have Laura who can help you. But you just need to understand all the potential costs, right. all the potential hiccups, the potential right. challenges. Right. Now, let me ask you this, Laura. I don't know how much you know about this, but what if you want to work in Italy and you don't necessarily have the lineage to get a dual citizenship? Is there an opportunity for you to try to get some kind of working visa to work? Do you know anything yeah, about that? Yeah, there are work visas out there. They're just very far and few between. Okay. That is one of the advantages of getting dual citizenship because you don't have to worry about the work right. visa. And that makes you eligible not only to work in Italy, but also the rest of the European Union. Okay. So, Laura, before we wrap up here, tell me about 
you know, maybe some of the most interesting experiences you've had so far with your business here in Italy. I mean, you're living in Italy, which I'm sure is amazing. Uh, Laura lives in the Calabria region, correct? Yes, it's it's not very touristic. I call it rustic Italy. <laughs> and the people are really authentic and friendly and wonderful. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. Maybe you want to share some success or a story that you've had with one of your clients. I'd just mm -hmm. be interested to hear something. Mm -hmm. Okay, one of my most memorable experiences is with a group of cousins that came here from the West Coast. And their family is in the Calabria area, and their parents all made the same trip 20 years earlier. And they met their generation of cousins. And so this group of 10 cousins coming back had the opportunity to meet their generation. And so it was a really, really wonderful experience. They had brought a picture with them where their parents had taken a picture under this secular tree in the middle of the courtyard and they recreated the same photo. And as afterwards, we went to their relative's house that we found their living relatives. And the, one of the great, great aunts that was there, she was probably 85, 90 years old, remembers sewing a wedding dress for one of their parents. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the kind of things, and I'm sitting there during this because they don't speak Italian. The uh, Italians don't speak English, so I interpret the whole thing. I see. So that's what they get you involved for, the interpreting and helping with some of the details around the... Yeah, well, actually touring, because some of these places are really difficult to get to. You know that, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, right. You have to go through some provincial roads, and they're a little sketchy, and... <laughs> Let's put it this way. I've driven down some roads, and the only way for me to get out was to back my car out of the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, that's great. So you're getting you get to see reunions like that firsthand and you get to actually be the person that is really connecting them. Absolutely. And that is the most rewarding thing that I do. It really is amazing. And sometimes I get really emotional when I see how emotional that my clients get. Because um, there's another experience uh, where a woman came from New York with her husband and their families in Calabria. And you know in the Messina area there was a huge earthquake in 1908. Yeah pretty much devastated everything. Afterwards, her grandmother was sent on the boat as a young child, eight or nine years old, with an aunt, and was kind of taken away from her family in Italy, I guess to make sure that she had a good life. Right. Because they were so devastated by the earthquake, there was no opportunity and they couldn't really care for her. And when she came back to find her living relatives, they said, we have been waiting for over 60 years for you to come back and find us. That's amazing. Because that that's, that's the point of time that they lost contact with them. Well, I'll tell you, the one thing I can tell you for sure, and I know you hear the stories out there, but I've confirmed that they're true, is that if you find your family in Italy, they will treat you like they've known you forever. Yes. I mean, I feel like the family that I met here, they just keep wanting us to come back with them, eat with them, eat with just them. walk <laughs> around the town with them. They're so excited about every time they see us yes. here. And it's fun. It's a fun experience for the whole family. So... I want to thank Laura Lee Watson for hanging out here with me a few minutes in Sicily here. We didn't mention it, but your background is your mother is Sicilian, right? Half yes. Sicilian and, and from the Abruzzo region. Yes. And you can find her website at digginguprootsintheboot.com. And we're going to create the show notes for this show at italianamericanpodcast.com forward slash dual citizenship, all lowercase, no space, and we're going to link to Laura's articles that she mentioned on the dual citizenship, because like I said, Dolores and I have been getting a lot of questions on this topic, and I think that uh, Laura's given us some great information here, and she's got resources that are going to be able to help you, 
Um, and she also writes a regular blog, which is great. I, I was reading some of your articles this week, and I know you're writing about Sicily because you're here. Yes. Beautiful pictures with the carts and everything. So thanks again, Laura, for joining us, and we hope this is helpful for you. We want to continue to find ways to help you connect with your family in Italy. Anthony, thank you for letting me be a part of the show. It's been a fantastic experience, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your trip. Thanks, Laura. It is now time for the Italian-American story segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives, or even read something that a listener submitted, or in this case, actually get to talk to a listener. In today's segment, you're going to hear a very special story about an Italian-American, as I said earlier, from Nashville, Rita Richardson. She is literally saving a church in Italy. She calls it an abandoned jewel in a magical Tuscan hill town. As I said, we're always thrilled to share these stories, especially from our listeners. So here is the very inspirational story from Rita. Rita, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you. Hi, Anthony. Thank you for having me. So I asked Rita to come on the show because she's working on a really amazing project, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But Rita, before we dive into the project, tell us about your background. Well, I think, Anthony, my story is maybe a little atypical. I'm actually in the South. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee right now. I grew up in Northwest Atlanta in Marietta, Georgia. My mom is full-blooded Italian from Naples, Italy. My dad is a Georgia boy from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Georgia. And he was in the Navy in the 50s. And he went to Naples and he went to the NATO base there. And he met my mom who was working there. So my mom came to America in 1955. She was in her late 20s. And uh, my dad is, was a career military man after that. But we ended up settling in Georgia. So I am first-generation Italian-American in the South. And so I didn't have much of an Italian-American community. I was basically the only person I knew that had an Italian mom. So my mom was really popular because of, uh, because of the great food that she cooked. We didn't have like bakeries and delis and stuff. So my mom learned how to make Italian bread. And so I can make Italian bread. I can make some good Italian sauce and lasagna. So I have all the benefits of being an Italian, but I was in the South instead of in the Northeast. To give you an example, in the, in the high school that I went to, there was no Italian offered. We had French, Spanish, German. And so I, I picked French, but I was always very curious about Italian and then took it in college. So I can, I'm a French teacher now. And I think a lot of that has to do with my uh, Italian heritage and the whole Italian language and just my curiosity about the languages. My mom spoke Neapolitan dialect, but she didn't speak Italian in the home. So if I ever heard her speaking with relatives on the phone or when she got upset or angry, if she wanted to utter an, a curse word, for example, it would come out in the Neapolitan dialect. So I tell friends that, and people who ask about my Italian heritage, I can, you can give me any situation and I can give you the correct Neapolitan cuss word. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard many people tell me that, but what is interesting and what we don't talk about a lot on the show here is the idea of being an Italian American in the South, because most of the people we talk to, just because the percentages happen to be in the Northeast area, 
or potentially New Orleans, which had a lot of Sicilians that immigrated there. But it is an interesting background. So, Rita, you contacted me about a very specific project that is really, really interesting. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience about the project that you're working on? So my mom's mom, my maternal grandmother was actually from Tuscany. I'd just like to give you that piece of background. So my mom's relatives, her brother stayed in Italy, her sister in Europe. So I have a lot of Italian relatives, first cousins still in Italy. And in 2010, uh, my son, Zach, studied in Cortona in Tuscany with the University of Georgia, which has a campus in Cortona. Cortona, you might know, Anthony, is the setting for Under the Tuscan Sun. So my son, my, so my son was, was studying in, in this beautiful medieval hill town. And so I, of course, had to go visit him so I could also visit my Italian relatives. And when I was there, I popped in to visit a neighboring town, which is called Castiglione Fiorentino. And Castiglione Fiorentino is also a medieval hill town. And it's picturesque and it's beautiful. The people in the town say that it's Cortona before the novel and the film, because it's very authentic. There are no tourists. It's just a beautiful, magical, medieval hill town. And so I, as you can tell, I fell in love with Castillo and Fiorentino. And because I have a wonderful husband, he indulged me in my dream to have a place in Italy. And so we bought a very small 800 square foot 600-year-old apartment in the town center of Castiglione Fiorentino. So I go about three times a year. My husband and I and our boys have come a couple of times also. I have adopted the town of Castiglione Fiorentino, and they have adopted me and my family. And so two doors down from this little apartment on this little vicolo, or alley, a little pedestrian-only, quiet, beautiful street under the Casero in Castiglione Fiorentino, there is a boarded-up, abandoned church. And it is so abandoned that people don't even know it's there because it's not a standalone church. It's kind of part of a larger palazzo, if you will. And so we would walk by that, those boarded-up doors, for about three years, and I would keep asking anyone that would listen, why is no one saving this? Why is this not open? And, and the reason is simple. Italy is in a crisis, in an economic crisis. And there are lots of beautiful structures, monuments, buildings that need to be saved, and there just isn't enough money to do it. And so I decided one day that the person to save the church was me. And my idea was that, you know, there are so many Italian-Americans in our country that love their motherland, their homeland, and I could find the money to, to finance it, to open it back up again. And so it took a little while to convince my husband that that was a good idea. But again, he is wonderful, and he did research on the namesake of the church, which is St. Philip Neri. The church is called San Filipino. And it's named after St. Philip Neri. It's one of the first oratories of the Oratorian sect that Neri founded in Tuscany. And it just happens to have some of the most exquisite examples of Baroque art in it. It has a 15th century wooden coffered ceiling that is absolutely stunning. It has frescoes. And it's going to disappear 
if we don't save it, but we are going to save it. And so we contacted the parish priest, and uh, it doesn't belong to the parish. It belongs to the Archdiocese of Arezzo. And Arezzo, by the way, is where Life is Beautiful was filmed. So we're right between two great film towns. And actually, Roberto Benini was born in our town of Castiglion Fiorentino, just a side note. And Rita, I just want to let the listeners know, because, you know, we're not really going to get the full understanding of everything just listening to you. The website is friendsofsanfilipino.org, which we'll link to from the show notes for this episode. You can see all of the photos, the images, there's tons of videos, which is really amazing. And I got to say, Rita, your husband's two for two. He got you the apartment, and then he went with you along with the project. So he's doing pretty well. But tell us, Obviously, you've worked a lot on this, and we're, we're anxious to share this with uh, our listeners. What has the progress been to date, and where do you want to go with it? Where do you need to get to to save it? Good question. So to date, we have gotten a lot of publicity from NIAF. I want to thank NIAF for all the help that they've given us. Joseph Del Razo, for example, is part of creating the infrastructure that we need to get this thing rolling spent a lot of time talking to become a 501c3 nonprofit, which means we're tax exempt. That means when you donate, it's tax deductible. We also had a story in NIAF's Ambassador Magazine last year, a feature story, three or four pages, actually. So to date, we've been working on infrastructure. As you've mentioned, Anthony, the website And I also, I say friendsofsf.org, just because Filipino is kind of hard to spell for Americans. So it's friendsofs, as in saint, f as in frank.org, friendsofsf.org. That took, you know, time to get that up and rolling. Social media, the 501c3 status, which we have. We haven't really started seriously working on serious fundraising. And by that, I mean approaching corporations We are just now starting that piece of this puzzle. We are applying for a grant from the World Monuments Foundation. And and just through word of mouth and just from what we've done so far and the wonderful press that we've gotten, we've gotten, you know, about $10,000 toward our goal. And that's just from friends and from people in Castillo and Fiorentino who just wanted to help. That's really amazing. It is great. And so to save the chapel... So the way this is going to work is we raise the funds and the Archbishop of Arezzo, his name is Ricardo Fontana, is going to oversee the works. And so our job is to raise 300,000 euros. And with 300,000 euros, that will completely restore the chapel. That means inside, outside, all the beautiful stuccos the ceiling, a new roof, it will be saved, it will be preserved. And not only that, but we can open the doors again. And because the church is still consecrated, it can be used to celebrate weddings or other religious ceremonies. And so what this is going to do, Anthony, is it's not just going to help this little church, it's going to help the community in Castiglione Fiorentino because it will provide an economic spark that they so desperately need. So that will mean lodging, gift shops, restaurants. So this project, as I said, it's not just an investment in that little church, it's an investment in the, in the town. And then I want to add to, you know, I know there are lots of good causes to give to. And one of our missions, we have basically a particular mission, which is to save San Filipino, but we also have a larger mission. 
and that's to provide a template, a model for other people like us. I'm a French teacher in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm saving an abandoned Baroque chapel in Tuscany. And I want to show your listeners how to do the same thing if they have a special monument, a special work of art, a building that they want to save in Italy, in their ancestral town or in a town that they visited on a trip one time in Italy. That is part of our mission. We have a twofold mission, and that's the larger mission. That's amazing. Well, listen, you're doing a wonderful job. You're inspiring, I'm sure, a lot of people, and I'm sure you're making your family very proud of what you've been able to accomplish. And if you are a listener and you're passionate about this, you want to check out the church, you can go to friendsofsf.org or friendsofsanfilipino.org. There's an opportunity to donate there. There's all kinds of information about the project. And you can always reach out to me, Anthony, at italianamericancentral.com, and I can give you more info or you can go right to the website and get it yourself. So Rita, thank you for taking a few minutes here with us. Really wish you the best of luck and hope that we can continue to help you in any way we can. Thank you so much, Anthony. I appreciate you spreading the word for us. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of connection with Italy in this episode between the interview in Sicily with Laura and then you just heard Rita talking about the work she's doing with the church in Tuscany. And, you know, we're really looking forward to continuing to get to know you as our listener through the different initiatives that we're going to be putting forward. So, Dolores, why don't you take us out of this one? Yes, of course. So we want to remind everyone that we are still doing our promo where the first five people to leave us a review on iTunes will receive one of our beautiful Prima La Familia Family First t-shirts. Very quickly, we want to thank everyone from last episode who went and did leave a review. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Fuchi C. Thank you, DAV3K15. A reminder to all of you that you need to email us at anthony at italianamericancentral.com in order to actually receive those t-shirts. So you need to email us, let us know which one of those people you are, and of course, give us your address or we can't get them to you. So the first five people to leave us an iTunes review will also receive a t-shirt for this episode. Please follow the same pattern. Email anthony at italianamericancentral.com after you leave your review, and we'll take it from there. Grazie mille. Yeah, and I have to say, Dolores, we got a couple of people that left really nice reviews. They emailed mm-hmm. me about it, but they forgot to include their address. So I have the shirts ready to go. Just email the address to anthony at italianamericancentral.com, and we'll ship them out. Per piacere, exactly. Okay. So moving on from there, you can find us on social media, of course. We are on Instagram at Italian American. We are on Twitter at Ital American. And we are on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Arrivederci.